So last week I uh, got beer all over my mic and iPad. Welcome to New Week, New Music, reviewing the hottest tracks with the hottest takes of 2020. My name is Brandon. I'm Eric. And I'm Ben. Each week we're going to be looking at two albums released in 2020. Tonight we are kicking things off with Apocalyptica's Cell Zero. And we'll wrap things up with Rare by Selena Gomez. And tonight we have a residential orchestra expert joining us for the evening. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Michelle. Welcome to the show. First guest of the show. So no pressure, but if this doesn't work out, we'll never have a guest again. Yes. Hey, that's fair. I mean, I, I'm prepared to fail. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First off, uh, for those of you tuning in, expecting to hear uh, Breaking Benjamin's Aurora, uh, we're not going to do that. Sorry. Psych. Uh, we decided that since they're not actually new songs and just rather new recordings, we will not be listening to it, or we will not be reviewing it on this on this podcast, and we will be doing Selena Gomez this evening. I was misled. I was uh, led here on false premises. Yeah. She came here exclusively for new metal. <laughs> I did. I well, did. you're going to get kind of close, because we are going to be opening up with Apocalyptica's Cell Zero. And I want to open this up with actually one of my complaints about uh, the recent Joker movie. And, All right, then. Uh, That's not what I expected the to say. Com- our complaint was, well, during that movie, is you can't just put spooky violins all over everything to make it sound dramatic. That was my complaint. But Apocalyptica shows you can put spooky cellos over everything and make it sound fucking badass. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with that. Spooky violins, though I was a violinist, it just doesn't make things that special when you just overuse it. Spooky cellos, though, you can use that as much as you want. Yeah. So so where did you get spooky vibes? I was just kind of going for, like, okay. distorted cello. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's the first thing I, I thought about this album was I was not expecting them to hard open with distorted music. I was expecting, you know, some kind of more standard cello arrangement and then they would get to the distortion. But nope, right off the bat, they hit you with it, yeah. which I like. This album rages from the very beginning. So you want to you wanna know my problem with the very beginning of this album? Oh, God, I think I know what it's going to be. They stole the riff from Raining Blood on I, the first I song. I knew that you were going to say that, because I was going to say the exact same thing. Yeah, this is a... It's Raining Blood, but not called Raining Blood. Um, what's the what's this song called? Ashes it's, of the Modern a- World. Ashes of the Modern World, which, by the way... Fucking cool name. That's yeah, a great that's a name. Really that they um, didn't really deliver on. I like the know. opening track. I thought it was a really strong opener. Um, and I will preface all this by saying I've never really listened to a full symphonic metal album before. If that's, I take uh, if it, you want to get technical, there's neoclassical metal. Neoclassical metal. Okay. See, I don't even know the classification. But um, I mean, does anyone off the top of their head know neoclassical? Absolutely metal? not. But I thought it was a really strong uh, opener. Um, it's hard hitting. It had a lot of cool riffs. Um, it was long. I like long songs, um, and I thought you know it really got my attention right off the bat. Yeah, um, I will preface this with I do have a bit of a soft spot for these guys. Uh, they were one of the opening acts for the very first concert I ever went to, back in 2007. I want to say. Oh no, kidding. Yeah, when uh, Metallica was at uh, KFMA Day, uh, Apocalyptica was one of the opening acts, and. That is the day I learned cellos could be cool, and I became a big fan of them pretty much instantly. I I, I love these guys. So is live music 
I, I want to say it's it's sort of similar to like the, the politician effect where if you shake a politician's hand, you're something like 80% more likely to vote for them. I think it's the same with live music for the most part, except Deftones. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if you hear them live, I think uh, you do get that bit of a soft no, absolutely, spot for them. Yeah. Um, that being said, I did really enjoy this album, and I think I would have enjoyed this album regardless. I thought it was pretty cool. No, yeah, this was this was a really good album, in my opinion. I have to say that I also have a soft spot for them. Having played violin for so long, it was the first time I had seen you know orchestra instruments used in mainstream music, and I thought that it was really cool what they were doing. So I definitely went into this kind of already a little biased, but I think that they did a really good job and really created a, a cool ambiance, uh, especially with the fact that they just immediately leaned into the distortion, even though... We, yeah. We bring a guest in, and she immediately outs herself as not being familiar with The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Hey, you know, <laughs> I am familiar with that. I just kind of try and block it out as a violin player, because that's all anyone ever talks about. <laughs> well, there you Can go. Can play that? Welcome no, to the I podcast. can't play that. <laughs> I don't have the dexterity for it. It's a miracle I can play it all. Well, I think we're all basically in agreement. I, you know, I certainly generally like the album. It was it was fun to listen to. Um, Their origins as like uh, a Metallica cover band mm. were very clear on this album. Like this is like it. They very seam seamlessly transitioned from like actual like like Baroque era music into like full blown thrash in your face. Like like you were saying, they kind of steal raining blood off of the the first album. But God, it sounds cool. And I will say, I can't know, I don't know which one, but Beyond the Stars, the closing track, reminds me of a Metallica song, and I don't know which one, and I've been trying to think of it this whole week, and it's been bothering the crap out of me. So the only, the only track I got Metallica vibes from were En Route to Mayhem. The others, it was a lot more proggy than I was expecting. Like, Beyond the Stars is very Dream Theater-esque. And the, the title track, Cell Zero, I think is very, like, proggy. Yeah. But it is full-blown, like, musical epic, almost. I really, really liked on that one where they did the little, uh, not maybe not little, but they did the pizzicato part, and they went right back into kind of the main riff, straight off, like, very kind of classic breakdown type thing. I, th I thought that was really well executed, doing the kind of classic, maybe newer metal-style breakdown on on these instruments. So what, let's, let's get into some tracks here, since I, I don't know that... We're gonna fight much over the album. What's you know, just kind of highlights. Yeah, what were, what were your guys' favorite and least favorite tracks off the album? My favorite, honestly, was probably Beyond the Stars. I loved like that kind of like sci-fi thing they were doing with it. Although I don't know how well it fit in the whole thing. It kind of reminded me of like in a way of uh, uh, Contact at the end of Random Access Memories, in the sense of that it's like with uh, Contact, like it's this whole like jazzy space odyssey. And then they end with like a pretty hard sci-fi-esque track. And this was kind of the same thing, in sense, like, except it was like metal classical fusion ending with a kind of weird sci-fi, like new metal almost track. And I thought it was really cool. I really liked the song. Um, I still don't entirely know how well it fits, but I also don't really care because, God, it sounded so cool. I, I had a very similar reaction to that track where I, I have written down here, not sure how I feel about adding vocal parts in the last 50 seconds of a 50-minute album. 
Yeah, but that it sounds was, epic. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, that was probably my biggest complaint on the album. It fit the song really well. It didn't fit the album very yeah, well. Yeah, it was weird to hear vocals at that point. Like, like why the last the last like what one percent of the album? Like, oh, here's some vocals. Yeah, yeah. It felt out of place. And, and you know, if the voiceover was, it didn't seem memorable to me. I can't even remember what they were talking about or who was doing the voiceover. I have if no idea who was doing the voiceover. If they had chosen someone who was like a James Earl Jones or a or a Vincent Price or something along those lines, where it got your attention, I think it would have gone over better. I don't think it was a particularly memorable or important uh, uh, use. It was. I, I'll say it probably wasn't memorable, but I do really like the sound it added to the song. So I think, as far as so, if we say that, yeah, okay, that was maybe the best. Or oh, the, Michelle, maybe, what was your favorite song off the album? Yeah, I, I actually have to say that that was probably my favorite song as well, just because I mean, as a pretty big Coheed and Cambria fan, I'm like really God, always it, down. It really did scream Coheed. I'm always down for some weird sci-fi shit in music, and that just it, it really hit a special spot in my heart. Now that you mention it, it sounds what is it the the Punisher off their more recent album, The Dark Sentencer. That one. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It like when that old. came it on, I, I, when it first came on, I was just kind of listening to it in the background while I was cooking. And uh, when that first came on, I thought that um, for a split second that the album had ended and it just started like shuffling through my music and that the Dark Sentencer had come on. So I definitely have to agree with that. Like it was very, very coheed to me. So what about you, Ben? Was that your favorite track as well? It was one of them. Um, I'm not sure if I've even settled on a favorite, but yeah, Beyond the Stars certainly uh, was one of the ones I liked. I liked the, the main riff of it, um, where the last note was was uh, not exactly what you expect to be. It was you know, a few notes lower, which I thought gave it kind of a, an unsettling, uh, kind of darker uh, feeling to it. Um, a couple others that stood out for me. Um, I really liked the opener, Ashes of the Modern World. Um, not too familiar with Raining Blood, so I didn't notice the, the plagiarism there, but I... I thought it was a really good showcase of a lot of really hard-hitting riffs. It def- um, that you say plagiarism it, plagiarism, it really is like towing the line between influence and plagiarism. I, I mean, it's it would I would think in any other genre you might be fit to call it a tribute. Uh, they, they are a tribute band. Uh, well, or were originally. I mean, I, there's no way they did that and didn't know what they were doing. So I'm going. I, I choose to interpret that as a tribute to Slayer, who I mean, just stopped touring, just ended as That's a band. That's true. They did. Yeah. They. Uh, I mean, Slayer announced they were finishing like as at least a few recorded. years ago. Yeah. I mean, so I, they must. They could not have been recording this before that. I, I no. They, I I read on their Wikipedia or something that they recorded this whole thing in like two months from writing oh. to release. Oh damn! And it's all self done too. Yeah, they do all their. So uh, so yeah, I, I choose to interpret it like that. Not that they've made a statement on that or anything. Not that they need to. But yeah, that's that's how it hit for me. Another track that um, kind of actually wasn't expecting to like, um, but "Scream for the Silent" I thought was a I, really solid track. I did like that the one first. Too. I will admit the first ten or fifteen seconds of the song, I didn't really care for it, but it quickly hit its stride. Um, I think my favorite part of the song was how it really combined the more melodic uh, parts with the hard-hitting metal riffs. I thought the transition between those two was really well done and seamless. Um, I also like kind of the polyrhythm that was going on with that one. Um, it kind of evoked, uh, kind of the middle section kind of had a Lord of the Rings-esque feeling to it with uh, some of the violins, um, but I think it juxtaposed really well with just kind of the the heavy um, 
uh, feeling of the... That track was my favorite drum work on the whole album. Yeah, there was a lot of good drum work on this album, too. But but that one, to me, stood out the most. And I also had to have to... Very, very Kirk Hammett move to just throw the wah on that song. <laughs> the wah didn't belong on that song, but fuck but it, wah fuck on every it, we're song. We're doing it anyway. I, and you know what? With all the thrash metal roots, that's I think that's an acceptable move. I think that is, you have to be able to throw wah on literally anything. Ben touched on something that I, I really, really want to t- to at least mention because it was my biggest takeaway from this whole album is when you said like there's seamless transitions. Every transition was seamless on this entire album. Well, not exactly because on my favorite track on the album, which was On Route to Mayhem, they had a long drawn out accelerando transition from the main riff, which I thought was the best riff on the album, into thrash metal. And and interestingly enough, while they did that, they actually changed the tone. It sounded like an 80s thrash album. Yeah. I thought that was super cool. Yeah. And then they just, then they hit you with the super clean, yeah. lightning fast like, transition back into the well, main room. It's riff. not even that, like, they were all, like, you know, lightning fast, but every transition was done so well. Like, they made it, like, not every single one of them was just, like, like going, like, oh, classical, boom. Uh, now it's, you know, 80s thrash metal, boom. Now it's neoclassical, like they, it was a gradual um, build. Like they did a lot of like gradual transitions, like you had just talked about. But every but single they were fast, they were fast, but but smooth at the same yeah. time. Like every single one was executed so well, in my opinion. I uh, so transition wise, two songs I want to point out: "Rise" and "Call My Name." I thought both served a really good musical purpose on the album. In that, um. By the time we got to Rise, it was kind of like, okay, this is all great. I want to hear more cello. I don't want to hear as much effect. I want to hear more just playing of the instrument. And they delivered there. And then kind of the same thing on Call My Name, another more kind of down-tempo, perhaps a little bit more chill, filled sort of the exact same niche on the other half of the sort of the middle of the album because Cell Zero was so long. And I, I thought both of those were really nice additions to the album as a whole. Yeah, I agree. The only song I was not a huge fan of, and I'm honestly even struggling to remember it at all right now, is Fire and Ice. Oh, no, that was the one that had the f- like the flute intro and the kind of Celtic music themes. That song was great. I'm, God, I'm just really struggling. I've heard this album like three times by now. How do I not remember that? I don't remember it all that well either, but I, I wrote down that I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down the, the first part was, yeah, like like Eric was saying, more Celtic, and then the I think the second half of the song was just, you know, pretty hard-hitting Like a riffs. hard-hitting breakdown. Yeah, that's yeah. What I, but I don't remember specifically. So I interesting... am running without my notes right now, so that might have something Another to do with it. Another two interesting points on that one I thought were cool on that track where they made the production choice to leave the the flautist's breath in, mm. where he would take a breath before playing notes. I thought that was a cool... It, it can be a risky choice. But... Oh, yeah. yeah you really breaths. don't hear it often, but I think they did something pretty cool with it. Yeah, I, I think it's same with, like, leaving the breaths in for a singer. It's Or, like, the uh, string scratches on an acoustic guitar. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's a very taste kind of thing, but done appropriately, it, I think it, it really adds. And then also, where the cello doubles the flute part, and he does those, uh, I guess it would be slides on a cello, really well done it gets a real kind of like almost mournful kind of tone i was a big fan of that i thought just the playing on that song was great from like a orchestra point of view how 
was there playing. Like we're we're all like pretty familiar. Like I can hear when drums sound good. I can hear when guitar sounds good because I'm pretty familiar with those instruments. I'm really not all that familiar with cello. Um, I really liked, especially when it was a little bit slower and less distortion, just how clean the playing was. Like you could really hear like how rich the tones were. Um, I loved when they really leaned into the deep notes that the cello can can reach. Uh, it just sounded really smooth, clean. There was no like, unless of course they wanted it for effect, there was no real like scratchiness to it. I'm not sure if that's the term that I'm looking for here, but it, it just, it was really smooth. It flowed well. It sounded like the talent was there behind it, which I know it is, but it, it showed. Yeah, where you're getting a nice full-bodied tone out of yes. it. You're clearly you're getting good contact. Yeah, like you know how to play your instrument. You know where to position your bow. You know how much pressure to use. Like the the talent was very clear in the 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 more slow moments. Have I you think. guys heard a band called Break of Reality? No. They're another. I've heard of them. I can't say that I'm super familiar. There are another three cello yeah. act, three cellos and drums, very similar. Mm -hmm. Potentially is four cellos. Oh, I mean, they, they might even be inspired by these guys. I'm not say sure. Similar. <laughs> but uh, one one thing that's interesting with those guys is uh, the the lead cellist. I'll call him. He, he usually would play like the vocal lines in a cover or the solos and stuff. He plays a carbon fiber cello, where the other two play a wood cello, mm -hmm. and it yeah. actually does give him a different tone yes. and it's it's more trebly it, it's more forward and I, I think that's a really interesting thing I mean these guys playing with distortion playing with effects maybe maybe they don't need to do something like that I, but. at least when I saw them live granted this is 12 13 years ago at this point uh, two of them were with old wood like old school wooden shells two of them had like modern electric carbon fiber. So that's the same kind of take there. I, I think that's a really interesting thing about these cello bands is like... They play with the material of the instrument to get yeah. different sounds out of it, which I agree is really, really cool. One thing that was super badass when they were playing it live, one of the, like, with, like, the big wooden one, I want, which those things, they, at least they look like they weigh a lot. I honestly have no idea. But he would, like, hold it upside down while playing. I was like, how do you even do that? They're heavy, but they're also hollow. They're not terribly heavy. You can you can lift that one up when we're done. Yeah, they're, it's they're not, not bad. Like I mean, is it like you you can easily play it while you're holding it no, upside down? Easily, absolutely easy. not. No. <laughs> it just makes it more metal. But <laughs> it, it was like the most the metal thing I had seen until I saw Metallica like an hour and a half after that. So, uh, low light on the album for me was Catharsis. Um, I thought it was nice in that it was would, one of maybe three tracks that the name really kind of, four tracks that the name really kind of met for me. To me, Rise, Fire and Ice, which I assume was a Game of Thrones reference, Catharsis and Beyond the Stars, the names kind of fit the track. Otherwise, it was all very kind of, you know, they're, they're prog metal kind of names, prog metal kind of tracks. But besides that, I didn't didn't have anything interesting to say about that one. That was my low light. I don't know if you guys had a similar... Uh, Catharsis was down there for me as well. Like, um, yeah, it just, it didn't feel like anything that we hadn't heard on the album already. And, and it didn't and quite it, serve the album like Rise or yeah, um, Call My Name. Everything that we heard on there, we heard better at some point in the album. And it, it's probably the only song 
on there, although possibly Fire and Ice, because like I said, I just don't remember that song. Um, if, th- if you took uh, Catharsis off the album, I don't think it would have been missed, which, I mean, it, it's... It, it is a pretty long album. I'm not, I'm not sure I agree that it wouldn't be missed, though, just because Scream for the Silent was very kind of hard-hitting and a little more classic, whereas Beyond the Stars was so prog. Having a little interlude between them wasn't a bad thing. I just don't know that that track stood on its own outside the album at all. I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah, I think uh, you know, leaping from Scream for the Silent straight to Beyond the Stars, yeah, I think it would have been uh, kind of too much of a contrast, so I think it did serve that purpose. Um, yeah, it's kind of an angsty song in a, in a way, kind of uh, aggressive. Um, beyond that, I don't think it, it was particularly memorable. So I think uh, if, if we're kind of maybe move out of songs here, as far as album craft, I really liked how they put this album together. Yeah. I thought, you know, the hard hitting right off the bat start was good. I thought they had the slower, more melodic pieces where they belonged. I thought... You know, as much as Beyond the Stars arguably did or did not fit, it, it was put in the right place. That wouldn't have fit yeah. anywhere else on the album. Yeah. If it was, like, in the middle, it would have been a lot Completely worse. out of place. I don't yeah. think it would have had the same impact that it did, even though it was still a little out of place. And this was a long album where I did not get bored. This is, no. this is the second time mm. I've listened to an album for this podcast where I said, wow, yeah, this, this was okay at the length it was. There's nothing that I would necessarily cut. I was not bored by the end of it. This was, I thought, start to finish a good listen, which is really hard to do. Yeah, I did say it was long as somewhat of like a, a, a mark against it. Even It's really not. Um, and I don't know if you guys have this experience, but every time I listen to the, listen to this album, it flew by. These, these yeah. 54 minutes, however long it is, it goes by so fast because I, I got kind of lost in this album every time and... I I liked it just as much the first time as I did the third time. Yeah, I think it keeps your attention. Um, you can definitely, you know, get lost in the riffs, um, get lost in the in the composition and the just the musicianship and uh, the professionalism of how it's played. Um, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's put together in a way that keeps you engaged. And I, I definitely agree. Like, I didn't get bored while I was listening to it. I wasn't sitting there wishing that it would end soon. Like, it never felt too long to me, even though it is a relatively long album. The only time I think that was happening to me was maybe during the first song, where it's kind of like, eh, I, I wasn't sold yet. But but in the context of the whole album, I, I like it in retrospect. The only time I maybe thought that was in the title track, because that is a near 10 minutes long. Like, it's a doozy. Yeah. It's <laughs> even there. It's hard to do a 10 minute song and do it well. well. And I would say these guys did. Um, but even then, like it, it feels, it feels like 10 minutes at times, but that's the only part of the album. I would say that feels long. Yeah. I, I also really liked, and I thought this is a great move. And, uh, I don't think enough people necessarily do this. Um, they got the long tracks out of the way to start. Like, if you're going to have a nine-minute song, the second slot on the album is a great place to put it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I think it was Catharsis or maybe it was Scream for the Silent, but one of those two came in at, I think, just over three minutes towards the end. I, that's a great way to keep the attention is, you know, while I'm still figuring the album out, I'm listening to this longer stuff. That's, that's a time to be artistic. As you're wrapping it up, I don't necessarily mind you being more concise there. 
it's very hard for me to get 40 minutes into an album and then sit through 10 minutes of the same thing. Mm. So I, I just think from a listener perspective, from a whole album, song length was really good and in the right spots as well. Speaking of song length, um, Scream for the Silent was an interesting one for me because I remember hearing it and I thought it had been going on forever and I looked at it and it only been about three and a half minutes and I think the whole song is only a little over five. It felt like so much more because of just all the stuff that was packed into that song. And I say that as a total compliment, not a, not as a, a criticism at all um, because it, I felt like that song kind of took me on a journey and I got lost in it, but it really didn't take up all that much time. So I think, you know, because part of what we do here is we rate albums against each other, right? I think something that bears comparison is to all these, you know, dramatic changes, these different musical elements, uh, kind of compares to Poppy in a sense, mm, yeah. where we had a lot of that too. But to me, this was the 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 changes felt a lot more musical. It felt a lot yes. more like the song needed it than oh, I'm gonna throw in a little bit of dream pop right here, and yeah. why not? It this album felt so much more composed than. Poppy's did certainly, and Poppy's album is shorter than this by a pretty significant margin, I believe, by like almost ten minutes. And that album feels a lot longer than this. I agree. Album. Yeah, it's it's good to mention Poppy as a comparison here because they're both metal. They both yeah. did a lot of these quick cuts between different styles, but I I think the execution was at a higher level here. The Absolutely. musicianship here shows. The perf- yeah, the performances on this album way above anything that was on. Uh, Poppy's album. And yeah, Poppy's transitions were, and granted, I think it was intentional on Poppy. Poppy's songs sound like a mixture of about five different songs packed into one that that, that were disjointed and didn't necessarily uh, flow from one part to the other. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that's kind of what they were going for. I mean, Death Grips got huge off of doing yeah. that same yeah. thing, so. <laughs> But here, you know, uh, it's done well. And another, but I think kind of a similarity between the two is music like this, I think, does have its limitations because Let's face it, it's a little bit silly. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, uh, a metal band being played by four cellos is a little silly. It's a little silly. You have to have some self-awareness. You do, exactly. <laughs> and I think they do. And I think, you know, for what this music Having is... Having seen them live, I can confirm they absolutely do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, holding a cello upside down and playing it over your head is... There's There's got to be something there. Like, this is weird. I'm doing a weird thing, but I'm enjoying it. And I'm going to do it well. And I enjoyed it too, and I think for what this music is, I think this is about as good as you can do. It's been a uh, pretty short review, but I mean, I, I feel like we've said everything we want. We're all, we all kind of pretty much on that, 100% agree. This is the most we've agreed on any album. Oh, by far. Except, no, wait, actually, maybe Mac Miller we agreed on pretty yeah. heavily, too. But, but today we have four instead of three people, so that makes it more remarkable. Yes, yes. that's true. true. Well, and I think, I think Mac Miller had a whole other dimension in the lyrics, too, and that you can... You can stop and you can talk about what he's saying for a little bit. Here, it's it's, it's really the music. The music yeah. has mm-hmm. to speak. Like, and the only like is the only lyrics are in the last minute of the song, and I can't remember a single word he said. I'm pretty sure it's about like blowing up humans. Like, I, I think like, it's like a start, rocket launch. Yeah, like I have no idea, and like we still were able to I don't know, go for a bit while off of just the pure musicality. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, this this was all about musicality. It was about composition, and uh, and you know tasteful application of stylistic decisions yeah. i think yeah. but yeah I, I was i was pleased with this album overall yeah i i loved this album yeah, this I, is this is a, a great album in it, my opinion it, i'll mention here too as we're kind of wrapping up and, and moving on so this is where it gets interesting for me too with the rankings because you know the first week there's you pick your favorite the second week 
this was the best album, this was the worst album, and these guys we're were getting in the to the point where we can't really do that anymore. No, I, now we have to sit down and think about okay, but was this album better or worse than this one? We're getting to the point where ranking is really starting to happen. Yeah. And and I, I felt that a lot this week when I'm listening I, to these. I yeah. did uh, toil with my placement of this album a lot more than I did any other one. This was a difficult one for me as well. Yeah, I had a difficult time honestly placing both albums. I did not have a hard time placing Selena Gomez. All right, let's, <laughs> let's get into well, it let's, then. Let's, All right, let's, before let's we do start. that, uh, any final takes on on Apocalyptica? I think we said all that needs to be said yeah. about them. They're, uh, they did a really great job. Yeah, they did a great job. If you've never heard them, check them out. Yeah. If you have heard them, check them out again. It's a great album. Uh, I, I and Having heard at least most of their stuff, I would say this is one of their best, if not their best. So Selena Gomez, rare. <sighs> so first of all, uh, grab a glass of milk or a beer because some spice is about to be served up. So, oh, ben, are you so, so hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I'm reading the room here. I really like this album. Are oh you my god! Shitting me? <laughs> this album was hot. It was garbage. Awful. It was so bad. Oh, I don't agree with anyone. I thought it was very okay. This was the most. What the most... hell did you even like about it? <laughs> I, this was the most forgettable. God, it was uninspired, so uncreative, pop garbage. I have heard in a long I time. I think that's a bit harsh. I think that's uh, <gasps> that's undeserved. It's undeserved. I, I'm certainly not going to take Eric's line of thinking quite, but um, well, okay. Let's oh let the people God. with the strong opinions start, and I'll jump in as kind of the. the All right, what did you like about this album? Yeah. So, so I will run through it. Um, I guess because I think it's maybe a more interesting take to hear what we liked about it. I will just start running through the album and listing what I thought were points in its favor and just stop me when you disagree. You know, I'm going to stop you, We're gonna stop you like at the No beginning. matter what you say. Okay, so so the first off was um, I thought on the complete album perspective it was relatively cohesive. No. It jumps all over the place. I would disagree that it was cohesive in a different way. Um, I also think that in some ways it does jump all over the place, but I don't know if I would call it cohesive as much as I would call it completely bland and boring. I just don't feel that there was enough variation between a lot of the songs. So, so hold that... on, hold on. Let's let's all right. Let's let's put some context on here. This is radio pop. It is radio pop. Radio pop can sound radio good. Radio pop though. can be good. Yeah. And and, and this I does have a not. special place in my heart for radio pop. You guys clearly don't. This 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 album is I mean, cohesive. I, I definitely don't. I do. There are there are overarching themes on this album that they hit on on most of the songs. They explore it from mildly different angles of in the different tracks. Trying to be just the most boilerplate generic pop it possibly. I mean, can okay, be. so like average pop songs have like a hundred words or something. They're not complicated things. That's, that's why they're generally not very good. But but that's, that's why time forgets them two weeks after they come out. I mean, okay, yes, I I like this album. This is not something that's going to be remembered in 2021. I, this oh. this album's not going to get remembered in February. <laughs> oh, it'll you'll still be February's hearing this tomorrow. on the radio in February. <laughs> Ugh. Don't get me. I mean, so okay, but I, I thought it was cohesive lyrically. Maybe I'll I'll caveat that lyrically. Musically, it kind of jumped around, but it jumped around through a variety of contemporary pop styles. There was nothing out of place there. Uh, there was a huge list of producers on this thing, as is typical, but um, I think sonically it was pretty cohesive. 
despite the fact that I think there was only one or two producers that were featured on more than one song here. Which so this is something I get into with with pop tracks because pop is a it's a group it's the group project of the music world. You know, this isn't four guys on a band. This is a hundred producers or something trying to make the most like algorithm successful song it can be. Yeah, and and I think they they did pretty well here, especially on the cohesion pretty well for pop music. We're, I'm not going to sit here and say this has the artistry of Mac Miller's album. It doesn't. It, but that's not that's not the point here, right? I think the the production was excellent. Um, and it was I, clean. I'll give you that. Yeah, I will, I will fight anybody that tells me the production like it was clean. wasn't great. The production was clean. I, mean, I don't I'd know be if I'd say great. If... It, wasn't, it, it was clean pop production. I would be shocked that's if she came was. out with an album that wasn't clean. Like, I mean... Especially when you got a hundred producers, exactly. one of them is bound to not be a complete which, moron. Which actually brings me to my low light of the album was right at song 10, which I believe is kind of crazy. I said, okay, the last three is or that four... Is the one that sounds like... Uh, um, okay, what's that Destiny's Child song? Say my name a little bit. Mm, no. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure it was. Nothing on this album sounded like Destiny's Job. No, not the the, it, the lyrics just <laughs> reminded me of that song. Like as far as how it sounds, no, it sounded absolutely nothing like the song. Just the lyrics reminded me of it. But but I, I wrote down. Okay, I'm like, okay, here we go. The last three songs are really kind of make or break for me at this point, and and they just were break. <laughs> All three of the last songs, okay. the production was at least a solid, a whole tier lower than the rest of the I album. I do want to say, the, the last song, A Sweeter Place, which is probably my highlight of the album. Are uh, you drunk? Because <laughs> two things. I was going to also disagree with that. Signaled the end of the goddamn album. And two, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they sampled Kid Cudi's speeding bullet to heaven at the beginning. <laughs> you may have just changed my opinion on this song by saying that, yeah, it was the last song on the album. It's almost over. Like when, it, the, when it starts with like Kid Cudi doing that, hey, 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 it's like, that speeding bullet to heaven. I wanted to oh die when God. I heard that. I mean, that was the most phoned-in feature of all time. Ugh. Have you heard speeding bullet to heaven? <laughs> I've heard about Speed and Bolt to have it. I've heard stories. I it's, haven't gotten into it yet. There's the balls to put that track out, and there's the balls to show up and do that on your feature <laughs> on another person's album. I, I'm pretty sure that it was just a sample from the album. We'll have to look Kid Cudi was terrible on that song. Oh, God. He was terrible. Yeah. yeah, yeah that, those last three tracks do not bear worth talking about past this. The, the, the three things I wrote down for those, for fun, weakest production on the album, for Cut You Off, Terrible guitar solo, and for a sweeter place, Kid Cudi sounds bad. <laughs> I firmly agree on all of those things. There's yes. nothing else to say about those. Like, Moving on. It, it, like I said, it made me laugh because I think it's from Speeding Bolt to Heaven, but um, that's yeah, that's 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 honestly the best compliment I have about this entire album. So let me let me run through the track list real quick here, and I will throw out what I thought was good uh, on Rare. Uh, I thought the stereo field was very well used there. The production was great. They filled the entire stereo spectrum excellently. Dance Again had a great beat. Um, I, at this point, I kind of pick up the themes of the album. I mean, it was, it's just such a, it's it a, tr it's a tried and true beat. Nothing. It felt generic to me. Yeah. Like it felt like any other song that I could hear if I walked past a club. This is the song that's playing outside of Abercrombie and Fitch. So, so yes. let me. This is, I guess, worth a time mentioning some pop music generalities. There's an interesting thing here where, like, the wah is associated with Kirk Hammett, right? Mm -hmm. This sound is associated with these production guys. 
the, the thing about pop music is, yes, it's the vocalist's album, it's their song, and, and typically they do have a hand in lyric writing and stuff like that, but production-wise, there really are only a couple guys you hear on the radio. So there's a lot of people, I think, get into this whole idea of, oh, wow, all pop music sounds the same. And it's like, yeah, it should. It was all written by Max Martin. Yeah, but that doesn't excuse it. That doesn't make it like, oh, well, I mean, in that case, it's fine. Like, I think that just highlights a bigger problem. If one guy, music, if one guy like is one doing guy's everything, everything, that doesn't, it doesn't give it a pass for sounding for generic. for sounding generic and sounding like everything else out there. It does when it's everything out there. That, that's that's what I'm getting but at. That is doesn't make it sound good though. Well, that's on the listeners though. That's on the, the the consumer. The fact that consumers have consistently picked this guy for 30 years is not well, what his other problem. choices do they have at this point? I mean like any other band that's out there. I mean, yeah, but if you like pop music, that's generally what you're interested in. You're not a huge fan of, you know, something super obscure. You like to be able to find something relatively easily, you know, whether it be just on the radio or something that's recommended to you on Spotify. What other choices do and they have? And when there's five guys who have all the money and get make sure their music's going yeah. out there, that's a problem. And they're and especially when their music is just not good. It's uninspired. It's just well, this worked last time. Let's do it again, I guess. I, I don't know if I totally agree on that one. Um, I mean, I think there is value in recognizing things that worked and things that didn't. But when it becomes, okay, let's follow this exact same formula again and again and again and again, and you don't do anything new every single time other than have a different person sing the song, you end up with albums like this. But that's, that's, that's part of the interesting point of the whole thing is you can't overshadow the artist in this style of production because the only thing that's changing is, wow, there's a different person singing on this one or they, you know, different lyrics. The, the music has to be, it, it sort of does have to take a back seat because if you sit there and, wow, I did some crazy Skrillexx production on this, it's suddenly not about Selena Gomez or somebody anymore, right? The, the, the vocalist has to be the only thing that's different. Otherwise, there's no way to differentiate. But I mean, if we're talking about having the music take a back seat, we're reviewing the music. <laughs> that's the whole point of this. And I can't just be like, oh, we're not going to review the music. We're going to review the producer for this album because it's pop. That's not how this works. <laughs> we're reviewing the music, and the music sounds like every other piece of overproduced garbage out there. And the performances are completely dull and bad and uninspired, especially coming off of Apocalypticos, whose performances were amazing. There's not one good performance. There's not one thing resembling a good performance on this entire album. Oh, I disagree strongly with that. I, I mean, the vocal performance is fine. But I, you shouldn't be aiming for, it's fine. I mean, That's the biggest compliment you can give it, and I first of all, I still disagree. I also disagree. I, I will also. It's auto-tuned to hell. I'll point out I'm, I'm a couple of songs. That, so, so let me jump through real quick as I'm, I'm running through the track list. Nothing to say about "Look at Her Now." Uh, "Lose You to Love Me" was the single. Uh, it was terrible when That's I heard the worst it on the radio. Song the album. I, it worked uh. better in the context of the album, but just not a good song. Uh, "Ring." That song's. Hot trash. It would have been good if she had the vocal chops, but that she was a just... soul track without the vocal chops. 
Yeah. I, which I, I'm trying to make my point that there was some musicality here, so that's not a strong. <laughs> you are thing to not say. doing You're a not very good job. Of it. So when I got to vulnerable, uh, something I thought was great on this album was the bass work. The bass work was fantastic on this entire. I'm gonna album. be honest, I can't remember it. Oh no, it was great. I mean, they they did some like classic kind of Moog synth bass lines. They had some electric bass guitar. Uh, the bass work, almost every song, with the exception of the final three that we're not talking about anymore. The bass work was great, and, and, and it's not like the bass player, but the bass register was excellent on every single one of these songs. Um, the producers made excellent choices in what style of bass I, to use, how to implement it, great. I mean, I, d I don't even know if I can like just argue that because it sounds like, it. I just keep going back to, it sounds like everything else out there. There's just, Nothing worthwhile on this album it may have been done well for a pop album, but there's any n there's numerous numerous bands out there and musical acts that do it way better. Sure. Uh, so so let me get through the rest of these real quick, and then uh, we'll. So people, you know, um, uh, I like the stereo field again. Um, let me get me. Uh, I had heard that music before. That was that was another low light in the sense that that wasn't even a new beat. And then for None of this was new. For crowded room, I liked the feature on that one a lot. Oh, um, I hated that, the uh, feature. And that was for also two seconds. Was I could have uh, sworn. The, oh, how do you, is it black? Is that how you say? Oh yeah, I assume it's black. Yeah, it's got to be. Oh, um, wow. For the first like two seconds, I could have sworn that was Little Wayne. <laughs> oh, I thought the same thing. <laughs> then I realized it wasn't, but man, that like I that wish guy, it was Lil Wayne. I wish it was Wayne. He sounds like Lil Wayne. Little Lil Wayne, <laughs> <laughs> the littlest Wayne. <laughs> I enjoyed that she actually extended her vocal range here. Uh, this was the only song. You mean the producer used auto tune to extend her vocal range? No, no, she can actually sing that. Uh, okay. I'm okay, sure I'm, I'm seeing the incredulous looks. And I think me, she can sing well. I'm sure she can. Let me pose a thought experiment to you. How many women who are very attractive and have had plastic surgery are lined up around the block looking for this gig? It's not worth anybody's time to pick somebody who can't sing. They can all sing. Oh, they're picking her because she's already well, famous from Disney Channel. Yeah. She was like 12 years old. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but they wouldn't do this if she couldn't sing. Yes, they would. No, they absolutely would There have been plenty of people who can't sing that got famous. Well, also, the people like her are, <laughs> Selena are Gomez. They're bred to be good singers. I mean, that's what the Disney Channel like probably buys yeah, them at auction. Yeah, they've been involved in classes and yeah. everything since they were two years old. So they're not going to be bad singers. They're always going to be technically skilled, which she clearly is. They might just not have any significant innate talent or something that seriously differentiates them from anyone else. I will say this, though. I saw potential in this album. I don't think she really accomplished anything with this album, but I did see hints that she can produce music, her own music, and I and uh, there were a couple things that, maybe just one thing, I think the song Rare, the opener to the album, I think was a pretty solid track. I liked it. Uh, that was my certainly my favorite track off the album. Um, Non-meme, it might be mine too. Like, yeah. As I'm sure everyone can guess now, it's not exactly a high bar. I liked Vulnerable the best, I think. Vulnerable was all right. I, I found it a little boring, but what I liked about Rare was it it kind of hit a lot of things. You know, it was certainly radio friendly, but it wasn't radio friendly in a bad way. I thought it was extremely bright. It kind of, like Eric was alluding to, it was kind of filled up the whole uh, the whole space. It, uh, there was a lot. It was a really full sound, um, 
and it was just, it's a song I feel like I might actually come back to at some point. Not because it's musically great, but I, I enjoyed listening to that song. The, the reason I pick Vulnerable is because, uh, you know, part of the mark of a good pop album is the hook, right? Um, this is the song that I got stuck in my head a little bit. The, the, the little just kind of vocal hook right at the end of the chorus. Dun, 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 whatever right is uh that was the best hook on the album so that's the best song on the album that's just how pop music work it's an earworm uh, so what's I, I feel like i have to justify myself again here so how how i listen to a pop album i think might be interesting um i listen to a pop album differently than i listen to other albums because to me, pop albums have a different purpose than other albums. Pop albums are not necessarily there to make some deep artistic statement, stuff like that. I, I listen to pop albums the same way I watch Olympic ice skating. You know, you know the routine ahead of time. It's like, oh, and here's going into the triple axel now. How well does he stick the landing? Does he get the full rotation? It's to me, pop albums, I'm not necessarily, I mean, extreme props, and I'm, I'm thrilled if you do something unique, you do something new, you do something that's gonna change the landscape of pop, like Taylor Swift consistently does. But, I mean, this album sounds like Taylor Swift. It sounds like every it sounds other- It like generic Taylor Swift. It sounds like every other female pop singer of the last few years. Who sound like Taylor Swift. There's, there's, no, there's usually yeah. a lead yeah, person give, in the like, pack. Fair point, but yeah. So, so those people get get the highest accolades, of course, but but beyond that, for me, pop music is a lot about execution. You kind of come in knowing what to expect in a sense. You're not gonna get incredibly deep vocal lines. You're not gonna get incredibly crazy musicianship because that, that's not what the music's about. It's it's about hooks. It's about, you know, kind of promoting the artist. It's about fun to an extent. Will this bump in the club? And, and the thing that pop music there has... There are definitely no bangers on this album. Like, no, there, there aren't. Yeah, no. There are no club bangers on this album. Which, um, I mean, maybe let, going off of what you're saying, I don't think she tried to make a club banger. I think Let Me Get Me would go off in the club okay. Uh, it uses the Latin beat that's really popular right now that I strongly dislike that beat. That... that hate it. It's the same on everything. Yeah. I mean, the, and the reason I hate it. <laughs> no, now when it's the same on everything, you hate it. Okay, but if you can't even be bothered to put like, I mean, you're gonna go beyond the, the two four snare drum and the one through four kick drums of like dance music. You're gonna go beyond that. You're gonna pick something a little different and not change a single fucking note the whole time. And the reason I, I actually enjoyed the beat on that track was because they again used the stereo feel very appropriately to break it up a little bit. It wasn't wasn't the same beat that Pitbull has been rapping over for the last 20 years. Uh, Pitbull I, really been rapping for 20 years? I, oh probably God, I longer. I'm, he's got to be. I mean, Pitbull was at least out in 2000, right? Oh, not too. Yeah. No, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. I have no idea. Maybe not famous. Uh, when did Mr. Worldwide get famous? I don't know. <laughs> he's, he was born worldwide. famous. Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> I don't want to know how long he's been famous. <laughs> I don't it's just going to make me upset. Uh, but, but yeah, to me. Pop music is very deeply coupled with the uh, the execution of it. You know, how clean can you produce? Stuff like that. It's That's what it's about. And I think this album did pretty good. It had clean production. You're, you're absolutely right about that. But music's, in my opinion, an inherently progressive art form. If you don't progress it in some way, what's the point? 
But okay, so what's to the make last... money? That's not about art. What's That's the just last... being a greedy bastard. What's the last top forty song you've heard that really advanced music as an art form? None. That's why I don't really listen to it. Okay, but 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 that that shows a, a deep bias against pop music. Pop can be progressive. I like. I mean, a lot of people were uh, Charlie XCX album last year saying same thing. Granted, I still disliked it, but I liked Ariana Grande's the Ariana Grande. Woman. Uh, Ariana Grande's album last year was great. Okay, I'll give you Ariana Grande. That one was like she is definitively pop. She is also very good at creating Lizzo. new things. Lizzo. Lizzo is absolutely pop, yeah. and that sh that shit bangs. Yeah, Lizzo. But she also is... has a lot of R and B influence. But she does, but she's still pop. Like she's definitely pop, but she hasn't redefined anything. She hasn't pushed musical boundaries. No, but that shit bangs. Yeah, like it, she doesn't push musical boundaries, but she makes a unique statement. I guess uh, I. She's doing a lot more than Selena Gomez did on this. The album. way I listen to music, you know, that shit bangs is on the same level to me as wow, that production is just extremely clean. I enjoy those to the same capacity, which that is a preference thing. That fully expect that people maybe won't agree with that. I don't know that a lot of people listen that deeply to production, but but that to me is a an element of an album that is worth listening to when it, especially when it comes to pop and i know going in that i'm not going to have some musical revelation something new see but you're comparing you're you're not i don't want to say you're comparing to two different things cuz production obviously always has an impact on how good of an album is but you're you're moving the goalposts for how you grade albums and i feel like that's doing a disservice to the other album. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and out myself here. I 100% judge albums differently based on genre. I feel like that does, again, like you just said, like a disservice, especially, like, honestly, like, to pop. It, constantly expecting it to do nothing creates a cycle of, well, um, of well, no one expects us to do anything new. Guess we don't have to. It's it the soft do, bigotry of low expectations. <laughs> it doesn't do nothing, though. There's... There's a reason, for example, being extremely clean production in pop music is so important. Because the the vast, vastly different mediums you're gonna digest it on. People are gonna hear it on 30 different models of car speakers, they're gonna hear it on iPods, they're gonna hear it on extremely okay. good speakers. Okay, but that's true for pretty much any type of no, music. No, it isn't, because no other kind of music gets the kind of play that Top 40 Pop gets. You're not gonna be walking through fucking Dillard's and hear Apocalyptica. That's just not how it works. And so there, the the challenge of producing something that is universally will sound good, and I'm not talking universally like, oh yeah, I love this song. Universally, like the quality is good. That's that's something that okay. A so lot they did a good job of producing it. What does it do uniquely that every other pop album doesn't do? Oh, no, nothing. That's I'm not I'm not arguing. This is a great genre redefining album of anything. I'm just saying, yeah, this was this was I like this album. What musical fine. statement did this album make? Nothing. nothing. It didn't make nothing a musical deep. state. I mean, the whole album's about mostly self-empowerment on the back of a bad relationship, and I think it was cohesive in that. It had a theme. No, I mean, like, having a, like, the song's having a message, not what I'm talking about. Like, musically, what purpose did, does this album serve? Oh, it serves to sell, sell music. And that is inherently wrong, in my opinion, f with music. I don't know. It's making a, a cash grab is not making a good album. So, so let's 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 throw out a, a like an, an an analogous situation here. Music. 
should bands write their own music? Yes. So the entire country genre is out for you. Did you know that in country music, yeah. almost nobody writes their own songs? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't surprise me, and that also... I also doesn't hate. mean that country artists can't write their own songs. Yeah. But, but that also, I also comes, just like most country today. So I mean, I'm not. But that also comes from a a history in country of kind of like, for example, in jazz and the blues, you play the standards. You don't write new music. You don't write new jazz tunes. You play the standards for the most part. Now people do, and the people that do it well are heavily lauded. But but you play the standards, and there's nothing wrong with yeah, playing. And the, standards. the people that are remembered, aka the people that are good played those standards and made their own unique musical statement while playing those sta- musicals. And those a lot of the pe- famous people are the ones who wrote the standards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, but at the they end of the day, put their own interpretation. but at the end of the day, lose you to love me is going to be remembered way more than anything Poppy did. I don't know if that's true. I hope that's not true, but you know, it is. If nothing else, it's going to have a place in the charts that that other album isn't going to have. Well, I mean, you're also comparing it to another not very good album. Well, fair enough, but but that's that's what I'm getting at, and don't get me wrong. Okay. I'm not saying this was an amazing album. I'm saying this was fine. This was good. This was not a bad album to me. This is the most unnecessary musical piece of music I've heard. This is going to be this year's segue, in my opinion, or for me, because it doesn't sound inherently bad. Like, it, like listening to this, it's not. Like, oh my God, I want to rip my ears off because the singing's so trash or because it's the cringiest thing. No, it it sounds fine. Why I hate it so much is because it's so mind-numbingly and insultingly uncreative. I felt insulted listening to this. Listening to this is like, the producers and Selena Gomez are like, people are stupid. They're going to listen to anything. Let's just put some shit out there, have Selena Gomez sing it, and we're going to make a million dollars. They were 100% right. Oh, yes. yes. Of course, I mean, of course they were. They already have it in their pockets. Yeah. I really do hate the single off this album, though. You, Lose You to Love Me was really the single they chose? That was the uh, single. So they chose the worst song off the entire album. Yeah. See, Bar rare. those final three. <laughs> no, it, no. I think Lose You Love Me was the worst. Uh, I think it's worse than all those. At least Kid Cudi's song has meme potential. Yeah. The fact that they sampled another Cudi song is fucking hilarious. See, that's funny. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, See, but I don't, I don't know if they sampled the Cudi song or if Kid Cudi ripped himself off. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> Both I don't really know which one's funnier. Both I, are I possible. hope it's that. I love to think that Kid Cudi ripped himself I off. I think he... That sounds like something. You know, that's what do. we're going to go with because that's clearly the funniest option. Kid Cudi went from speeding bullet to having the kids see ghosts to this. <laughs> Man, that dude is all over the fucking <laughs> place. Dude, Look at him go. That dude's going to be like our generation's Nas where he just had like one or two things that are like legendary and everything else is just Really high garbage. highs and really low lows. <laughs> He needed a handler, but the only handler he had was Kanye, who is cracked oh, out God. of his mind. Who is, 90% of the time. if anything, even crazy. It'll make sense yeah. now. The fact that Kids See Ghosts was a good album is like, how the hell did you get these two guys to both show up at the same time? Honestly, a miracle. What's the, um, the band name? It's bothering me so much. They had like two couples in there and they were like married and then they like cheated on each other. Fleetwood like, Mac? Fleetwood Mac. What? What? Yeah, it's wild. Like, um, what's the, their most famous album? I can't think of it right Rumors. now. Rumors. Rumors. I feel like Kids See Ghosts is going to be like rumors. The rumors. Of, like, yeah. just the story of making it is just so unbelievably wild. So, and it yet somehow this amazing piece of music was birthed from it. So when they were recording the second Ozzy album, um, and Ozzy was either in a long-term relationship or married for the first time, I don't remember, but he was 
seeing Sharon on the side. Um, they were recording in England, and so Ozzy's wife flew out to see them, so Randy Rhodes pretended to be dating Sharon so they could get away <laughs> with the fact that Ozzy oh was cheating on his wife with Sharon. That, that's what that story reminded oh me of. God. And they produce fire. <laughs> One of the best albums ever. <laughs> so you have to just be a little crazy. No, um, I don't like that sentiment, but I mean, craziness has spawned, has historically spawned a lot Wonderful of really of tremendous art. music. And a lot of terrible ones. Oh, God, yes. yes. That's the like, thing. for every one great album that just absolute batshit insanity has spawned, there's about probably a thousand just terrible albums or albums that just never even happened because of I mean, of what was craziness. that Chick-fil-A song? Oh my god. That is closed funny. on Sundays. You yeah, that's the one. Chick-fil-A! <laughs> <laughs> that was just on one album. There were some amazing oh. songs. And I, then... I feel like we're getting a bit sidetracked. Yeah, so, uh, uh, last last thoughts. Selena um, Gomez, I think, is in a very stable place in her life right now. I hope, <laughs> I hope good things happen to Selena Gomez. I wish her I nothing but I hope she good. never makes another album. I, I also don't want to hear her sing again. I don't, because I heard little glimpses of potential here. I'd say I'm cautiously optimistic for her future. This album was bland. And, I, I you know, I didn't really contribute to this conversation because I felt like I didn't really have a whole lot to say. Neither did, did she. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> she did yeah, what's stopping you, Ben? Make an album. <laughs> it was bland, uh, but it wasn't like it wasn't bad. It certainly wasn't good, but I, I just came away with very few strong opinions whatsoever. I think this on one for me is right now. This guy is setting himself up to be one of my litmus tests for my list. In that, if you did anything, if you made any kind of statement, if you did anything musically interesting, you're better than this album. And and if you were cohesive across the whole album, if you, if half your album was shit, you don't get the win. Even if the just other half was good. Just because you make a musical statement does not make it good. Right, but but if you put together a full album and you do anything original, you're better than this. That said, too, if you put together an album and you sound like shit, you're worse than this. This is a very good litmus test for me in that it's extremely clean. And I, I found good overall for Radio Pop, but but it, it is not original. It's not artistic necessarily. So this this guy is going to be a define. I'm going to listen to other albums this year in context of. So how does it compare to Selena Gomez? <laughs> Which probably would have been the fate of any of our first pop albums, but but that's how it's going to be. Quick question for Brandon. What's up? Was this worse than Eminem's album? Am I allowed to answer that? Yes. Yes, this was absolutely really. See, that's no. I, I put this over Eminem. This is way better than Eminem's album. Eminem made a musical statement, and there were at least some. There was at least some success. That's what it. I was getting. That's exactly but what I was you, getting at with my statement, though. There were ten tracks on that album that didn't belong, and therefore he slots in under this. If you like, if you told me to go listen to Selena Gomez's "Rare," I'd be like, "Yeah, sure." If you told me to go and sit down and listen to Eminem's. I would either try to kill you or try to kill myself. You know what? <laughs> I have to agree with Ben. You know, um, like I said, this is like uh, my segue from last year. For those of you listening, I did relatively the same thing by myself last year. And one of my lowest rated albums was uh, this pop punk album by a band called Seaway, which we have lovingly referred to as Segway. Um, and it is ultimately not a terrible listen. It, but it is, like I said, with this album one of the most creatively bankrupt things I've ever heard. And there are definitely albums that were incredibly rough listens to, like uh, Neckbeard Death Camp. Oh, God. <laughs> Which I did rate higher than than Seaway. Uh, even though, if, like you said, if you asked me, like, 
I have to listen to either Seaway or Neckbeard Death Came. I'm going to pick Seaway just because I can just throw it on the background and completely ignore it. But I give credit for at least making an attempt to do something unique and creative, and which is why I, I rate this album so low. Will it end up as low as Seaway did? Probably not, but uh, we'll see. Who knows? Maybe we'll just listen to a shitload of fire music for the rest of the year. I really hope so. I'd rather listen to a yeah, whole bunch nice. of really good music. Yeah. I don't know. I do like getting a couple of like really bad stinkers. I like the duds. I mean, uh, this one was kind of frustrating for me because I didn't feel like I had a whole lot to talk about with it. It was, just wasn't interesting. So I, this I, was, I mean, yeah. we just spent a long time talking about this album, mostly fighting over whether there are merits to clean production or not, and almost I'm not nothing to do with it. I disagree that there are merits to clean production. But, uh, I'm just saying it doesn't make clean the production itself good. doesn't make a good album. So I mean, I'm conceding a little bit of ground here in that we just spent a long time talking about this album and mentioned Selena Gomez like zero times. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, I don't Gomez. think we mentioned a single thing about her. Except that on the one song, she extended her vocal range a little bit beyond the rest of the yeah. album. We wished her well. <laughs> I know, I can I just it. say that, that, you know, I feel for her. I mean, she was... You know, abducted by the Disney Corporation when she was like ten or twelve, and <laughs> more and like put sold into, into it, but put into this role. Yeah. Are Jonas Brothers doing an album this year? They did one oh, last year. Oh. I hope they do another one. That I actually heard it wasn't all that bad. That'd be a fun shootout. Selena Gomez with the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> That Just would. gather didn't all the like Disney they stars together. together. Yeah, they, didn't yeah. Selena Gomez date one of the Jonas Brothers? I'm sure point? she like, did. Way back in the Disney yeah, Channel days. Yeah. I don't remember which one. Up. Mickey Mouse fight pit. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, anybody have uh, anything else uh, to say about it? You know, Selena, we wish you the best. I hope good things happen to you. But I also hope every other album we listen to the rest of the year is better than Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Please be more creative. Anyway, Michelle, thank you very much for joining us this week. Of course. Uh, next week, join us again. We will be listening to Lil Wayne's Funeral and Kesha's High Road. I am, I am unbelievably stoked. Can't wait. <laughs> Maybe we'll raise the pop bar a little bit. God, I hope so. I'm not counting on it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save the conversation for next week. Thank you very much for listening and join us next time. Thank you very much. Bye.